code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 21 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I have nothing going on, so I'm just going to jump right into it, if you're good with that. (laughs) I'm all good with it. Perfect. In the previous minute, Jack successfully receives his ransom payment in the form of all his belongings, neatly tucked into his pants or breeches, thanks to Elizabeth Swan, as well as the return of his hat to his head. Jack proceeds to set a marker that they will all remember the day they almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow just as he launches himself into the air thanks to a conveniently placed hoist and pulley system currently suspending a cannon above the dock. Minute 21 begins with everyone witnessing Jack swinging in circles high above the dock while Governor Swan asks Norrington, Now will you shoot him? To which Norrington exclaims, Open fire as muskets begin to blaze. The minute ends with Jack sneaking into the J. Brown blacksmith shop, successfully eluding the soldiers. I found this to be a pretty exciting minute, with a little bit of commie mixed in. (laughs) Some behind-the-scenes laugh. I did. I don't know why, but I did. All I have to say is I'm really loving this action-packed scene. But maybe it's not just for the reason that everyone is thinking. I find it hilarious when Norrington gives the order to open fire, then Marines behind him all aim and pull the triggers. I know that doesn't sound funny, but wait for it. It really is actually hilarious. And I can't stop thinking about it now. Every time I see that, I don't see anything else in the scene except what we're going to hear shortly. So... There's this one guy, and I know you know exactly who we're talking about here, Heather. Because I pointed him out to you. <laughs> that you did, and I can't stop seeing it now, though. And he's right behind Norrington. Yeah, I can't. I can't not look. I, I actually need... need to look up this guy and see if he's been in anything else, because he may be doing the exact same thing. He, this may be. He may be typecast for this. And I know you guys are all wondering what the heck we're talking about right now. So I'm going to tell you. So there's this one guy. He's this Royal Marine who is obviously fresh out of boot camp. And I'm guessing they had some kind of boot camp or training just to be able to fire these arms. And although in the 18th century, I'm sure people grew up shooting and having to hunt and get their own food. So maybe they didn't have the training for it. I don't know. Somebody let this guy down. So the instructor must have been drinking rum on the job or his dad was drinking when he was teaching him this. Or they just said, hey, here's a musket. Go out and play. And that's how he grew up doing this. Or maybe they saw, you know, never noticed because they were drunk that he was never hitting his targets. <laughs> but his eyes are not just closed. They're completely <laughs> shut tight as can be. I mean, they are shut so tight. He's squeezing his eyes closed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like it's too noisy, so he's got to close his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, know. they are shut when his comrades are shooting. <laughs> and when he's swinging the gun around to aim and pulls the trigger... They're shut. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even look to see where he's aiming. No. He's just doing the motions. I was just waiting for like the comedy routine of like the seagull or the bird flying by <laughs> to fall to the ground that he accidentally shoots. Or if some guy falls off the you know a tower or something and you hear maybe like a Wilhelm ah! scream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he must and he's obviously looks uncomfortable holding a musket. Yeah. So I think this poor guy needs to avoid the front lines or any combat yeah. at all costs. 
or, or they pulled this extra, you know, and they had the extras come in or, or the actors come in and he said, oh, sure, I can do it. And then they get in there and they didn't see that he's squinting because of all the Wait, muskets going off or he's something. He's not only squinting. He is squeezing those suckers as tight as he possibly can. Yeah, like can. somebody's <laughs> trying to force him open to put eye drops. It's yeah. like a dog or something. You're trying to, you have to put eye drops in or whatever. And they're just like, you know, or a kid, actually, not yeah. a dog. I don't know if I've ever, <laughs> yeah. not that I've had to put kids in, but I've never really seen anybody putting eye drops in dogs. I'm sure it happens, but you I can imagine. Did we? Oh, yeah, we did, actually, because he had his eye surgery. Maybe that's where I was getting it from. So we had a rescue dog who had eye surgery, actually, when he was when we first got him, and we had to put drops in his eye. So that's my reference yeah. point. I was wondering where that came from. I'm like, when have I ever put drops in it to see that? But that's him. That guy's Banjo. We're going to yeah. we're gonna call that guy Banjo. But seriously, he needs to avoid all combat, or they need to review the tapes of this incident when they're back at, at you know in their barracks and say, uh, Banjo... You need to really give us your gun. You're now on desk duty. You guys got to see it. You got to pull this minute up, minute 21, and, and take a look. You will not be able to unsee this. And I know we were saying that we weren't really going to you know, point out errors. This isn't really an error. This is actually, we're talking about this soldier here, now Banjo, who really keeps his eyes closed. And he's swinging this musket around. Everybody yeah. should be ducking. I see other guys kind of squinting, probably because of the sun, because it is a blue sky, by the way, since you mentioned yeah, it right. the other day. So uh, they're probably squinting because of the sun, but this guy is closing tight his eyes. I don't know if it's the so sun, though. I think it's because they're they're all huddled together for a tight shot, uh-huh. and, you, and right next to everybody, there's muskets, and they're firing, so there's smoke that's coming oh. out, and all that, you know, so that gunpowder, that black powder that's hitting is creating a smoke effect, or whatever they're using for this particular scene to yeah. do that, and it's just creating all this smoke, and I think he's just, it's just a natural reaction that he's just <laughs> one of those people. It's like you, when you jump into a pool, your hand goes up yeah. to plug your nose, hey. and you don't even realize you're doing that. You don't need to tell everybody that. And in case you heard that, that was Banjo voicing his opinion that he doesn't really <laughs> want to be associated with that soldier, because Banjo's in the studio today. Definitely you need to check it out, and, and tell us what you think. You can all shoot us a note, or, or send us a Facebook message, or hit us on Twitter, but we, we thought it was pretty hilarious. And actually, that's I think I used that as a screenshot for the episode. <laughs> you actually used Yeah, this. <laughs> so I used that one as the screenshot that's that's posting for this particular minute. So you can at least see it. If you go to blackpearlminute.com, you'll be able to see that photo there. And this guy is really squinting away. It's pretty good. I counted 12 Marines on the dock, and they're the ones that are getting the command from Norrington to shoot at Jack Sparrow. Yet, I counted, and it got difficult to count, but because they started multi, you know hitting really close, and, I, and it's... You can't really step through the sound and without pulling it out and really oh, looking yeah. at the audio or something. But I counted like 18 plus shots that I heard ring out while Jack was swinging on the hoist. So you have 12 Marines that are there shooting and I heard 18 shots. Then when we get to the point where Jack actually is successfully off the the rope, seven soldiers line up in formation on the dock while Jack is making his zip line escape uh-huh. in preparation to shoot. So they're kind of lining up doing that formation. And so there's seven soldiers, and now we have 10-plus shots that ring out at Jack. So not to mention, we'll get into the civilians here in a second, but there's definitely more shots being fired than there's soldiers. And I'm not an expert. Again, I know you guys all may think that I'm an antique arms and armory expert, and I just play one on the radio, I said, which is true. Is about, you know, how fast they're doing this. And I never really timed it, but 
I know everybody is asking, how long does it take to reload a musket? So, I'm really glad you That's asked. What everybody's asking. That's what they're asking. Shall I ask, how long does it take to reload a musket? Well, I'm really glad you asked, Heather. That's perfect. So, as I mentioned, I am not the expert, but it only takes me about 10 seconds to reload a musket. And I know that's wow. pretty quick, but I really am proficient at this. I'm going to have to time this, guy. <laughs> but I really am an anomaly in this situation. So a well-trained soldier could load and fire a smoothbore musket two or three times a minute. The elaborate step-by-step infantry drill of the 18th century armies was designed to make this possible. The rate of fire fell, however, as the musket became fouled with powder residue and it became harder to ram home the ball and powder charge. Also, there was a high misfire rate. So to load either the musket, you first have to actually cock the piece. Then you tore open with your teeth the paper cartridge containing the ball and powder charge. Open the pan of the lock, prime the pan with a small amount of powder and closed it. Then you poured the rest of the powder down the barrel, placed the ball and paper wadding in the muzzle, rammed them home with the ramrod, seating the ball firmly but not too tightly on the powder charge. Then you brought the piece to a full cock. The musket was then ready to fire and you had to aim. Wow. Did everybody get that? Yeah. Ready, go. <laughs> no, but I, I kind of highlighted all those different steps because that's why they would take them two or three times depending on the proficiency, how many times they could fire in a minute. So I didn't really time this, but it is one hell of a process. And no wonder you wanted a bayonet, first of all. Yeah. Because if you're having to go through all those steps, you want the bayonet there just in case somebody's running up on you. I can only imagine like you're in this battle and you need... Well, and you're needing to get things done quickly, and then the enemy's approaching. There's yeah, it'd no be, way. yeah, you'd really want to have that bayonet there for, for safety precautions. Yeah. <laughs> but it also reminded me, I know I'm going off on tangents here, but it reminded me of a scene in Glory. And I don't know if you all remember this, oh. but remember Glory? It's the Civil War flick with Matthew Broderick and the Black U- Union soldiers. Yes. So Bro- Matthew Broderick stands over one of the soldiers who is a really good shot. And he starts firing his pistol next to his head, yelling at him to aim and shoot and reload quickly. It's like, yikes, it is one heck of a scene to actually see this. And, you know, really what I just described doesn't do justice to that scene, nor does it do justice to what actually is probably really like out there in the front lines with a, a with any war. Right. Let alone having, you know, a musket that you're reloading while people are shooting at you. And you are all lined up for them just to hit. It's not like you were hiding behind anything. And having to do it that fast, I couldn't, I mean, you're not supposed to put that ball, jam that ball in too hard. It, it would be hard to do having to do it that fast. And I think that's probably why you practice. And so that's why I'm wondering if they're practicing, what about banjo? Why was this guy closing his eyes so much? <laughs> but where I was really going with this is, so of course I really did drop the ball and I didn't time check this process during this minute and to see how long these flute you know how how long or how many musket balls were flying over this whole process mm-hmm. to see but it's probably safe to assume there is some harmless over exaggeration on the number of shots that were fired for effects here possibly i think there's just people off screen we can't see well we can call it that yeah there's possible that there's other people there because there was a whole heck of a lot running down the um I don't know if you call it a ramp or a hallway or whatever. They're running through a few minutes Oh, when ago. they were coming? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you a, can actually see other soldiers, not just there, that are coming down when uh, they capture Jack, even, and they're already on the dock. You can see other soldiers moving in. Maybe it was the rowers. <laughs> no more rowers. <laughs> I mean, 
Because you can hear, and actually this is probably, this gets into where I was going with the civilians. Jack is running across the bridge. Oh, I have something to say about that. Of course you do. Who doesn't? <laughs> He's running across the bridge. And they start firing this, you know, these seven guys. And then there's the ten shots that I said. They happen pretty quickly. So I can't imagine that they're able to reload and load again and shoot. But there's civilians on this bridge. Yeah. There's civilians everywhere. And they're yeah, shooting all around They're shooting them. like this. This is yeah. crazy. So if there's people that we're not seeing that are accounting for this other stuff, it's a war zone out there on this dock <laughs> right now. How many people are keeling over? I mean... You know, they're getting rid of people. They're putting them down that dock that has the hole in it. Like, just bury them with the other two slobs that drowned over there. I mean, it's like, and then you can hear somebody in the background off screen says, someone yells, take cover, men. And I thought it was a soldier that was talking to Marines. Yeah. But now I'm convinced somebody was yelling to the people in the town. Like, take cover, men. So either way, whatever's going on here, there's crazy Marines are wildly shooting and Marines could get hit themselves you know one guy can't keep his eyes open everyone needs to be taking cover yeah but he says take cover men so a the women women yeah the women are left out women and children are left out (laughs) this is before the whole women and children first thing on boats it was men first and take cover men and then the women you know just got shot on accident right but maybe the guy who aims and shoots with his eyes closed is really Maybe that's part of it. And that was what I was thinking is maybe oh. this guy's like, take cover, man, because Banjo, our soldier that closes his eye, is still wildly <laughs> shooting back on the dock. He doesn't know that everybody else is gone to go get Jack, who's run off. He's still shooting there at the at the hoist and on the ship and stuff like that. So that, that could f- possibly be what's happening there. Possibly. Exactly. So what do you have on the civilians? Oh, it's not the civilians. It's Jack. Okay, go for our it. Our friend Jack here is running across this bridge. And I don't know if you really have taken a look at the at his run across this bridge, but his arms are flailing, and he is just crazy running across this bridge. And he actually looks like one of those Jesus Christ lizards running across <laughs> the water. Yeah, just the way he's kind of oh, you know running across this. Actually, bridge. you're right. It looks exactly like that. Uh-huh. It's like a basilisk. Basilisk. Blizzard, I think, is what it is the a formal name. Is that name. what it is? But yeah, he's running across this bridge like that, and he just looks like crazy man. Yeah, it does look like him. I could just see that. <laughs> we could we'll have to create a little GIF or GIF, however you want to say it, with a little pirate hat on one of those and Jack Sparrow's face or something as he's running across the water. That'd be pretty funny. But yeah, it does look like that. I can see that. You know, if you're trying not to get hit by something, you do end up running a little bit differently. I mean, he could have ducked down behind the wall, but then he wouldn't have gone faster. So for I think for the sake of the shot, they actually did a pretty good job with that. Because I think that's that it's kind of that that run that you got the the heebie-jeebies. Like, oh my God, I'm going to get hit. And so you're trying to like keep your arms or... I don't know. You do crazy things when something like that's happening. I think it's also just the way he acts. That's you know, true. It's just his his mannerisms, you know, just the way he is. That's right, yeah. But I mean, that fits him with his character. It's pretty funny. Seeing him flailing about, running across that bridge. So Norrington says to Gillette that Mr. Sparrow is has a dawn appointment with the gallows. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that. That's a pretty cool phrase. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get into our catchphrase, but it. I think that's, it, it, it's it nicely pretty, worded. Yeah. He said, I hate for him to miss it. Well, I was kind of wondering who this Gillette guy is. This is the second time Norrington said his name. He actually has a name. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, so I was kind of wondering who he is. So I kind of looked him up a Boy, little. Well, I really dropped the ball because usually I look that stuff up and I did not. I completely skipped over Gillette. Poor and Gillette. Gillette, the best a man can. <laughs> I figured I'd have to throw in another commercial <laughs> another since I did one yesterday. <laughs> so Gillette is actually the guy who saved Norrington from jumping into Save Elizabeth. That's right. Yeah. So he's a lieutenant in the Royal Royal Navy. He's the first officer to Norrington, and he's Norrington's right-hand man on Port Royal. Huh. Um, he's an upholder of the law and follows orders that are given to him. Also, he's the protector of him. He, he's yeah. basically protecting, doing kind of what he should be doing to make sure Norrington doesn't do anything stupid. Yeah, I guess that would, that would fall under the right-hand man category. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just found that kind of interesting. I was kind of wondering who he was. And I think he makes an appearance later on, but, um, you know, he's got a name, so I figure we should look into him a little bit. So then as Jack is kind of running through town, he ends up... With his arms flailing? With his arms flailing. (laughs) We see him kind of emerge from behind the, the blacksmith statue. Yeah. Now, my thoughts, he could have probably just stayed there and never been noticed. You know, right? You couldn't see him. He had his sword through the hand, which was kind of ingenious. <laughs> well, I was thinking, why did he do that? Why did he even go through the, the bother to put the sword through there? I know that there was probably a an actual blacksmith tool, whatever that would be, that a hammer or something yeah. that he was made to hold there. So why did he remove the hammer unless somebody else had stolen it and put the sword through that? Because I don't know if it would make it less or more obvious because they would just run by anyways. But if they caught him, now he's got his sword in that freaking yeah, hole. I can't get it out. Yeah. It took him a second to get it out. Yeah, because if somebody <laughs> comes up on you quickly, you're not going to be able to get that out of there real quick. <laughs> no. I think it was more of the comedic relief. Yeah, that's what it you was. Know. But yeah, yeah for the movie he, there's purposes, no way he could get that out. No. But that was a great hiding spot. <laughs> great. Nobody's seen him. He was completely hidden. You, We didn't even know he was there until he pulls his sword out, you know? That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he's trying to to get out of there, he's definitely going to have to move along. That is a good spot because they're running right by and they're searching. And and everybody else, all the other townspeople that are in that little courtyard there are just going about their business. So they don't really care that he's in there. Yeah, they're like, oh, whatever. Yeah, nobody's pointing him out. They're probably like, oh, the Marines again are chasing somebody. <laughs> they must chase people a lot. Well, that, and they probably liked pirates to a point, if, if, especially Uh-oh. if they're merchant people. Yeah. Because they came in and spent all their money oh, yeah. in the town. And some towns I've been reading, and I can't back this up right now, actually liked, you know, or at least tolerated the pirates coming in because they really did spend all their money there. Right. You know, they they had all this wealth that they would get from their plundering. But then they'd come and blow it all, and so they didn't have anything left. And so all these merchants and stuff at the towns, you know, actually, you know, was helped with their livelihood. So right. they're probably trying to think, hey, I hope this guy doesn't get caught. You know, <laughs> we want him to come spend money in exactly. our shop, even though they didn't, he didn't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one little fact I wanted to get to before we kind of end up end our session here. Okay. So Jack goes into the blacksmith's shop. Well, if you see the sign, the J. Brown blacksmith sign, um, it has pictures above. That's right. Yeah, there is no words except for his name. Right. And so they did that back then because most people were illiterate. 
And to advertise for the shop, they'd put up pictures and drawings and have that, that statue out there so people knew what they did because people couldn't read the sign. So Yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. That they would have to do that, actually. It probably came out, yeah, it was just an, out of necessity. People couldn't read. Yeah. And and it was. I also was interested in that whole process and the history of that. And I didn't really dive into it. I figured everybody would be like, oh, my God, he's going to dive into the literacy <laughs> rates of of Europe and, you know, the world at that time and all that. So I I do have some, just a quick bit about that. Of course you Uh, do. Yeah. So they actually had the signs and I think that it was even, uh, you know, France and, you know, so it just wasn't like an English thing, but it was other countries were actually in this time period using hand painted or painted signs or or signs that were produced that have pictures on them to show that the literacy rate had actually climbed from 30% for males in the 1640s to 60% by the mid 18th century in England. Really? So 60% of men actually. So this is just men. And it was about 40% for women by the 1750s. Wow. Yeah. Why so they climbed? Uh, cause actually it's a good question. And actually it was because of religion and churches. The, there was a, a churches and schools that were, basically religious schools that were coming up so religion and say christianity catholics and stuff like that were coming in and teaching okay and and having schools and so it's teaching people to read oh very cool yeah very cool. so they actually there was some talk about it now see look at we're gonna start to talk a little bit about <laughs> it but there was some talk about you know the measurements and how they actually measured literacy at some point and at some earlier stages they define literacy as just being able to write your name or not be able to write your name kind of deal. Oh, okay. So there are some varying degrees on that. So I don't know, and like I said, I didn't really get dive too deep in that of how much this literacy rate really is, how well they could actually read other things as opposed to maybe just signing their name or writing their name. So, but it did jump when you know the some of the churches and the schools and things were were popping up to help. With and that. my question, there's a. Uh... You know, there wasn't as much travel as there is today. You know, of course there wasn't. There was only ship at that point in time. But you still had people coming in from other countries. Now, they're not speaking the same language. You know what I mean? These days, we have more people who speak more English than than they used to, you know? Yeah, but I imagine that they probably had to out of necessity to, to learn the language quickly. You can't just come in unless you were, you know, I don't know... You know, I'm not a, a history buff. I only play what? one on the radio again. <laughs> so I don't know if there were pockets, you know, like say in America, and you know, we had certain pockets like Italians that had these certain, say, in towns, say in New York, there's Chinatown, these kinds of things yeah. that would help where they could, you know, they could speak their own language and that stuff. But probably out of necessity, they had to learn the language quickly because there wasn't a lot of avenues for that. Because I, I can't imagine that a lot of the townsfolk were, let alone that they couldn't write it necessarily. Right. They didn't have the literacy rate to be able to do that, that they were actually learning other languages to a big degree. But I don't know. I, I'm not, hmm. I haven't really looked into that. I just imagine that if you were going there from another country, you were trying to pick up that language as quickly as possible right. just to... Because there were no options. There's no internet. There's no multilingual signs necessarily, especially in those days. Well, they were pictographs. So that's, that's, that's what I was yeah. going to, is maybe that's another reason to do the pictographs was because of the, yeah, I don't if know there was the, a, some sort of language I don't barrier. know what the immigration rate was in, in, that, in that time to, to know how many people were coming across. 
you know, or coming into the countries or, or filtering in. I don't yeah. know. It, it probably, I, I don't think it was probably as much as, as we see that in the modern era that happens. Well, it couldn't have been. Yeah. So, so why'd you bring that up? <laughs> I, I just, when, <laughs> when you mentioned about um, France and this and that, you know, different countries having the pictographs and stuff. Oh, yeah, because the literacy, you know, a lot of people didn't go to school or they didn't have lengthy schooling. And so it was just a common theme across, say, Europe and probably even into the Americas that people yeah. just couldn't read. You know, that was maybe something that was reserved for, uh, you know, people who had a, a higher status so it's just who a, were wealthy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. We're probably just talking here. Yeah. And, and it was just a somebody's going to be going, what are these two idiots talking about this? Where they have no education background. They're, you know, they're, they're making stuff up. And now they're disseminating this over the airwaves. What's so the heck? So somebody can help with this. <laughs> yeah. So it was just a thought that popped in my head when you mentioned traveling in the, the different countries. It was just a thought that maybe, you know, the shop's. That would help with the shops also. Yeah, I think, you know, their education just wasn't readily available at the time. Uh, And so you had people that had, you know, lower literacy rates for sure. Right. Okay, that's all I have for tonight. So we're going to end on another great note of the literacy rates of Europe. (laughs) (laughs) And you can believe it. This is the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, remember? (laughs) (laughs) Not history. Not (laughs) oh man what are we doing oh my goodness stay tuned remember we're gonna talk historical handcuffs tomorrow (laughs) maybe we can get into some more facts about literacy and immigration and stuff of old old europe and the americas of the caribbean there again man (laughs) wait wake up everybody (laughs) there they go i had to wake them up just so they could hear the ending to this oh yeah there we go another pirates of the caribbean minute classic and it's not even just, it's not facts, it's just there. Yeah. See, this is this is why Heather's not supposed to be thinking over here. She's just supposed to, you know, stick to her notes. This is what we're going to talk about. Because then she starts asking questions like I'm the expert on all these different subjects. And just like I'm supposed to be here, you know, or I have time while I'm doing this to actually try and look it up on the internet real quick. Yeah, that just doesn't happen. I so. I just expect you to be the expert. Yeah, I'm going to... But see, there's a difference. I know that I made up the the term Gunter Cannon or whatever it was for, <laughs> yes. the, for the swivel cannon. But I can't make up stuff because now other people are hearing it. So I don't want to, to come off that I'm just lying all the time, even though maybe I do a little. But I don't want to, to say that over the air. That's something I'll just lie to you in private. <laughs> I figure since you remember the jingles from the 80s, <laughs> We're that talk- you would have actual facts in your brain. We're talking important stuff. Oh, you don't. You That's... can't remember the important stuff, but you can remember the no, jingles. No, those the jingles are the important oh, stuff. Oh, <laughs> I No, that's that. why I actually want to purge those things. <laughs> And so it's dangerous because then I, I grab and hold on to little pieces of the information. But if I actually spent the time to, to fully read it and understand it, as opposed to just trying to get some quick facts, then maybe I could then get into a discussion on it. But I figured I wouldn't have to because I didn't think that anybody would want to be asking about these things on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. As I mentioned, the classics, I, I am and we are posting some of the clips that we have. And there's a few that are on there on our SoundCloud. So it's SoundCloud.com Pirates of the Caribbean. And we're posting some of the what we're calling just best of clips and funny moments. So that's something that will continue to grow. And maybe we'll have uh, some educational stuff like our take on literacy and things that, <laughs> you know, where we pretend to be experts on all these subjects. <laughs> Why they have pictographs. pictographs. Yeah. 
I think we should wrap that up before we dive into something else. So we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 22 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Now where's that grog? (laughs) We all need grog now. for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.